Welcome to Live Life Creative, helping you break through your barriers to being more creative. I'm your generic public radio host, Dylan Kreinbrink. Thank you for joining me today. Our guest, Cameron Whitman, is with us from his home studio to continue our conversation from several weeks ago. He's skilled in food photography, landscape photography, event photography, portrait photography, travel photography, and lifestyle photography. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Let's cut that out. I just thought I'd mix it up on the intro a bit today. Cameron, he's a pretty chill dude, and I found him through the Cameras or Whatever podcast he does with his friend Tyler Stallman. Uh, You should listen to that show, too. Now we're jumping straight into Cameron and his wife starting their food blog, Our Salty Kitchen, and we're also talking about how to become a successful entrepreneur in photography, plus advice for getting unstuck when you feel horrible about your work and some more. Follow Live Life Creative on Instagram at Live Life Creative Podcast, and show notes for everything we're talking about today are at LiveLifeCreativePodcast.xyz. All right, let's go. I know about from listening to cameras, whatever, and stuff. You and your wife have a food blog that you do together, our salty kitchen. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that's bringing in like kind of the food photography stuff that you've done, the experience you've had in the past. I also saw you have a portion of that business is you do food photography for others through that, or is that through mm-hmm. your own website or? Yeah, I do that freelance through Camera Whitman. Okay. That's where I saw it then. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I never thought about it, but yeah, there's probably... You can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the situation is like there's a food blogger who maybe doesn't take the best photos, right? Then they send you the recipe and, you know, you tally up the ingredients and whatever that costs. And then, you know, the actual like creative fee and photography fees on top of that. Like, I've never thought about that, but that is like a great styling fee. (laughs) Styling (laughs) fee. Yeah. Like that's a great way to make money as a food photographer. Absolutely. We've, we've done that for other bloggers before. Yeah. We've, you know, we've prepared and shot their food for them. Not a lot. Most of them, uh, I mean, that's kind of their identity is to do that. Right. That's true for for a blogger, but, but we have done jobs for different people within that context. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the blog is, it's pretty narrow, you know, it it focuses on a very specific thing, which is healthy, Mm -hmm. easy to make food for people that like us that are on the go that want to eat delicious food that they don't have to feel uh, worried about, I guess, yeah. or feel like it's killing them. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's also easy to make. You know, I mean, we have, you know, we have two kids that are highly energetic and one of them is, is a, is a toddler that, that has an abundance of, of attitude. And so um, <laughs> it's, it's hard to manage, you know, so that's, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of what the, the blog revolves around is, is just, the reality of our life you know it's just like well we want to eat good food mm-hmm. my wife has been into cooking i mean that was our first date and she invited me over to her house and she cooked nice. for me. yeah so i mean it's been it's been a part of our thing all yeah. along and then really early on in stock i started shooting drinks because i was a bartender so i mean you do what you know right uh so i started shooting drinks and she was like she suggested you know we should do some food and, you know, I said, yeah, let's do that. That sounds awesome. And so we started doing it and like, boy, did we suck. <laughs> and uh, somehow uh, after like the f- first or second year of going down that path and very slowly, like I'm talking about like maybe one shoot every month or two, we were not like super active. We were just kind of dipping our toes into yeah. it. But I guess I got a couple winners you know, enough, a couple winners that got enough attention. And uh, we ended up doing our, a cookbook for the American Diabetes Association. And, you know, we, she did all the styling and I did all the photography and was it, there, it was a success. Was it their recipes or your recipes or? There was an author okay. who was on set with us the whole time. Oh. And that, that sucked. Oh, that, um, so that was not a positive experience. It was, it was a good experience because we learned a lot from okay. it. But yeah, she was in, she was tense and intense and mm. critical and you know I miss her book well, right she had every right to be but that was difficult for yeah. us because we were new and and we were like our egos were fragile and we were worried that we were imposters and all that right. stuff so I mean it was really hard but that's you know I mean you know trial by fire I guess and it worked 
like we succeeded and in the end she was happy with the book and uh good the ada was was happy with the book and you know that that was our first big job and then we started thinking oh, maybe we can do this you know and uh so we started seeking out different clients and then we ended up picking up random uh restaurant clients i started working for um the food network uh wow. going around to to different uh restaurants to shooting uh the food for them that would go into you know the the food network and people would be able to go and like know about the restaurant wow. because of that that's super cool yeah it's a big deal and, and it gave me a lot of experience yeah and i had to i had it, it it's all about problem solving right as a photographer right. like you you go into a different restaurant you know every other day or whatever mm-hmm. and you have a kit that's you know that you can carry on your own that is also like not going to be super intrusive inside of a restaurant and you have to just figure out what you can make work like you know hopefully you know there's there's a window and some natural yeah. light and makes it easy but sometimes you know you're you're going there at night and you're in the back of the of the restaurant yeah. hidden and you're in entire darkness and it's like oh man um yeah so that that was that's kind of how we I cut my teeth on it and then when she got pregnant with our toddler, that's when we, you know, we really decided like, let's do this, you know, cause I was making just enough money to support the family now. So she quit her job and we just, that was it. She was like, I'm going to do this food blog. And I was like, cool, do the food blog. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the awesome thing about it is that all of the content that, that she produces mm-hmm. for the food blog is then content that we can license the stock. That is very good. Yeah. And that content makes up for about 75% of the the sales that we get on Stocksy. Oh wow. And then yeah, and the rest is That's then, dense. you know, the other stuff I do, land, lifestyle mm-hmm. or portraits or landscape, you know. You know, and if you or any of your listeners are really curious about how to make it work as a photographer, it's it's really it's about having multiple in, income streams that feed the lake. You want to have as many streams as you can manage going into that lake. And it doesn't matter how small or how Mm -hmm. big, you know, like if you find something that trickles in, let it trickle in, you know, if you realize that it's not ever going to, to like be worth a big investment, then, you know, uh, temper your investment on whatever stream you're working on. But like, yeah, anything that you can get that makes that adds to the lake is, is awesome stuff. And, blogging is not easy work it's it's so hard and it's not cheap either i mean that's a lot of pro, uh, produce that you end up going through yeah. like food is not cheap and you yeah, know, like, you i know, know that for sure but the great thing about about that is that you know like for where we're at now she's uh you know she's actually i taught her how to shoot it so she i don't even shoot that stuff anymore <laughs> there you she go she shoots everything on the blog herself and it looks like mine and everybody's convinced so <laughs> You know, now we're actually, I'm like, I need to get you a higher profile now because this is you. It's great. But so we actually, you know, we've got enough of a a fan base on the blog that we were able to hook up with some ad networks. And now we're making, we're making ad money every time somebody goes and visits the blog. And then we're, you know, so we're making the money there from that, that Mm -hmm. content. And then we're also making it as stock. Yeah. And in the meantime, the, our names are getting spread all around right. and we're getting called for more jobs. Do you feel like your stock photography has led to client work? Oh, I know yeah. it has. Yeah. Lots, lots. Yeah. Some big jobs. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Like I, I've, I've done, um, you know, like when you see a building, uh, a new apartment building going up <laughs> in, in the city. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, um, especially in, in the more cosmopolitan cities, mm-hmm. you know, you see these um, high rent um, apartment buildings go up and while they're building it, they'll have the, the fencing that goes all the way around it to keep people out. Right. Mm-hmm. But it'll be adorned with photos of people doing lifestyle things, eating dinner, playing game, you know, doing something that, that would be suggesting that that's what life would be like in this neighborhood if yeah. you lived mm-hmm. there. Right. So it's, it's there to entice you to, to check right. it out. I've done a bunch of those jobs with, exclusive content oh not even for stock. like specific they, they, like buildings or co- yeah. development companies yeah so these some of these companies that they'll you know they found me because they they discovered me through stock and then they reached out and and saw that i was able to do 
several of the things that they needed to be done. And they were like, oh my God, this guy can do all of the things we need for this job. And so then, you know, they, they hire mm-hmm. me and I do it and that's it, you know? And eventually I'll, you know, I, I, I can use the work as stock. If it's still, if it's still relevant after the, the um, license yeah. ends. <laughs> but that's the, that's the beauty of stock is that like for all of those jobs that you do, any job that you do, it's, it's a commercial job. Mm-hmm. You have to ask yourself whether or not, you know, there would be any value in it for other people, mm-hmm. other businesses. If it's not too specific to that business, then it could be valuable to a lot of people. And so you have to consider that when you're going in and you're negotiating, because then you can give the that client a discount on your on your shoot fee or something like that, or even the licensing fees, if they are okay with it not being exclusive to them. You know, and if it is exclusive to them, that's a good reason to charge them more. Yeah, for sure. Is uh, so you have to you have to be savvy about those things. When he's licensed stock images, like from those kinds of shoots, I guess it depends on the agreement. But do you license all of the photos or all the photos except for the ones that the client wants? So it it would completely depend on what they agreed upon. In my experience, a lot of times the photos that I want to to put out on the market are not necessarily the ones that the client chose, which I think is a fascinating thing. I'm always really surprised because, you know, I'm, I'm an editor. So like, I'm always like, these are the ones I think you should use. And they're like, no, we're going to go with these ones. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, then. You do <laughs> that. You say so. And you know, that's, that's their prerogative. So that's fine. But you know, um, a lot of times I end up using unique ones just because any scene that I'm trying to capture, you know, I'm going to try and capture that like, in a in a, enough ways that I feel like I'm going to have options that are you know maybe this expression tells this side of a story mm-hmm. that that works a little bit better for that this type of mm-hmm. client. I'm looking at those things all the time, and so I'm asking myself those questions as I'm editing my own work. And so you know I might pick completely different selections that my clients would. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how that works, but yeah, it's not often that we're you know going to be haggling over the same images. Interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. And it is cool. Like once you get into like the stock mindset, like how much more useful like one shoot can be to you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really weird because I'm constantly preaching to everybody to take their time and really think about every shot carefully and to, you know, make it all count and not just to um, spray and pray. But, you know, at the same time, I'm kind of a street sweeper, (laughs) you know, when I'm on a shoot, like I'm like, I'm like, no, I got to get this shot too. And I'll, you know, I'll still do it carefully, but I'll do it quickly. Yeah. And, you know, like I'll, you know, I'm just constantly, there's a database, like yeah, I said, yeah. and there's, there's this database in the back of my mind. And I'm like, no, I need this option too. I need this option. Some of those won't work and some of them will, but you just want to have the option. You know, you don't want to go, you know, there, here's a scene and go, got it, <laughs> click, got it, done. You know, cause then what if you didn't get it? What if it's out of focus and you thought it was in focus in the back of the, the camera? Who knows? Yeah. Be thorough, but consider it. <laughs> yeah. I remember listening to the podcast that your website was quite the ongoing drama for a while. All of a sudden we didn't have one. And then, you know, we needed to, to, to update the, the website. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot to deal with. And it's just one of those things that's like, it is important, but it's not super important to us. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's not the most important thing. Uh, it's an, it's important for, for getting new clients, but when you have things that are like already rolling and taking care yeah. of you, then it becomes less of a thing. But I mean, eventually it's going to be a problem. Yeah. It's kind of always been that thing. that's like, oh, maintenance. I don't want to do yeah. it. It's like the last thing I want to maintain. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as a content editor for Stocksy or editor for Stocksy, mm-hmm people get stuck, they're in a rut, they're doing things that are insane, trying to get uh, different results from doing the same thing. What kind of advice do you give somebody when they're stuck like that? Like, what do you tell them to like, get them off their butts and get them to doing something new? So great question, because that's, it's a really difficult thing to do. Um, I think that that probably seems obvious on its Mm -hmm. face. The way that I do it, 
And I don't know any other way how, honestly, because I think that just writing somebody an email with a bunch of ideas is, is kind of fruitless in a lot of cases. Sometimes it can be helpful, but to people that are really stuck, it, it's not going to really break them loose. Uh, so what, what I like to do is, is actually have a one-on-one like we're having and just start to, to pick them apart, you know, figure out what it is that they, that they enjoy about photography and like what their goals are and like the, what their outside interests are. And then try to figure out whether or not they're actually shooting the kinds of things that fit their mm-hmm. their interest and their personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, I find that you know it's it's people that are trying to to force the uh, the round peg into the square hole, right? They think that that this is what they should do because I've seen this work for other people; it'll work mm-hmm. for me. With photography, that's just really not how it works, you know. I mean, you know, you hear people, wise people, I guess, talk about photography as like it's a mirror, you know. Mm. You might see a subject being portrayed, but really what you're seeing is is how the photographer views that subject. Yeah. Right. So if somebody is viewing something from a place that's maybe not rooted in in uh, great respect, then maybe they're not shooting the right content. Uh, so I try to dig in on points like that and try to figure out what people are really about and what they're really interested yeah. in and talk to them about how they engage with those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is, is with most photographers, especially with the photographers at Stocksy, uh, we accept them for, for a reason. You know, we don't, we don't just arbitrarily say like, oh, this looks okay. Because <laughs> generally speaking, a lot of times, you know, somebody uh, submits an application and that's their best mm-hmm. work, right? Or should be. Yeah. And then, you know, after they get going on, uh, you know, uploading after they've already shown you their best work, then like all of a sudden it's, it's something completely different. And maybe not nearly as good, you know? And so that can be a, that can be an intimidating place for them. Uh, It can be a disappointing place for us because you were expecting something Mm -hmm. different, you know? And what you got was quite a lot uh, lower than, than you expected. And so how do you kick them Mm -hmm. back up, you know, to that place? And, you know, a lot of times it's just because the, the, the sphere of influence that they're coming into contact with, with the broader community might be telling them, all kinds of things that work for them that have nothing to do with who they are, right? So for the, the them is the the third party. Mm-hmm. You know that third party might say like, "Oh, I was I'm, I've been doing this and it's working for me or whatever." And then so the the first party goes back and says like, "Oh, I'm going to go shoot that too," but they have no knowledge, respect, understanding of of whatever that is that subject is. Let me put this into into some actual context. Mm-hmm. You know, a very popular subject for stock that's very needed and also very hard to get is, is medical, anything to do with medical, especially in the States. Cause there's uh, it's, everything is so protected and private that it's really difficult to get access and then to get people to, to sign releases. You have to hire models most of the time because people don't want to air their actual ailments right. to the, to the world, especially for a commercial purpose. It's just awkward. Right. So how do you produce that type of content in such a way that feels totally real, that feels believable to the audience? If you don't have any, any respect or knowledge about that, that industry or even any empathy for the people that are facing that ailment, how are you going to, to tell that story in a way that's going to connect with those people in the marketplace? You know, it's, it seems like, a, like pretty far-fetched, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you know, it's kind of like saying like, okay – here you here here's a kitchen here are the ingredients and here's a cookbook now you know make it good right maybe you don't even have all of that right maybe you just have the ingredients in the kitchen you don't even have a cookbook what are you going to do you're just going to toss it together and say like here's my cake <laughs> you know like it just doesn't work that way you know and it's the same thing with photography and a lot of photographers uh don't even see it you know they're like no i did it here it is accept it yeah and it's like no you know, like I'm not, I'm not feeling, you know, like a, a visceral reaction or a, a deep connection to this subject. I don't believe you. You know, a big problem that you see a lot of times when people don't have that, that, that knowledge about what they're getting into is that they end up over-directing it because they're thinking about all those stock cliches that are in the back of their head yeah. that they've already mm-hmm. seen. And so they maybe you might even have a list of those cliches or I've even seen stock photographers take printouts of other people's stock photos and try to copy them, mm. you know, which is a disturbing thing to do. You know, so if you're not coming at it from an honest place and, and have an understanding of what your subject and a respect for your subject, then you're probably not going to do it in a way that's going to 
it's going to impress us. Right. Yeah. So when we, when I meet with people, that's, those are the kinds of things I try to find out, try to break a twig, you know, somewhere and show them, this is what you do. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Why are you doing this? I ask my trusted teammates, right? So I'll get other people's advice before I go in, but then I'll go in and try to really get to the the meat of where somebody's at and how can I break them out of that? And then, you know, if they figure out what that thing is, then I'll go from there and see what else I can do to inform whatever it is that they, they want to try next. Okay. Whether that's something to do with like lighting or even production, like how to, how to get the contacts to be able to do something like I'll do whatever I can to help people that's do cool. that. Uh, that's what we do that nobody else does and probably couldn't do because they haven't ever invested in it is that we will break it down as far as we possibly can to try to figure out how to make someone succeed. Yeah. That's definitely a much different attitude than I'm sure like, 90% of other microstock sites would have, you know, like they don't care there's like a hundred thousand contributors to whatever other website. And then if they lose one, no big deal to them. You know, they yeah. don't care. what I really like about what you're Why talking about is when you get onto a call or something with somebody is that you're not necessarily breaking down like an individual photo. Like maybe you're doing that too, but you're looking at the whole person, who they are, you know, what they're interested in and like what they've, have a lot of knowledge and passion about to be able to, to direct them towards that instead of Apple on white or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Remember what I said earlier? I said that, um, you know, I started shooting beverages because I was knew. a bartender. Right. Yeah. yeah. Shoot what yeah. you know, you know, cause then you can do it like with some legitimacy, mm-hmm. you know, if you actually can inform the story that you're trying to tell with something that, that other people, Another one that I talk about with my team all the time is people playing guitars. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, you see that in stock a lot, you know, and you see people holding the guitar wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, and Which so everybody in the so team's much. always like, oh, it just drives yeah. me crazy. So like everybody in the team would be like, hey, Cam, I'm not the only person that plays guitar yeah. on the team, but like they'll, they know that I'm sensitive to it. So they'll be like, this doesn't seem, <laughs> is this right? And I'm like, no, no, kill it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I play guitar too. Yeah. So when I see it in like, you know, movie or TV show or something, I, I I at least feel good when they're actually making a chord, you know, a real chord and not just like fingers in random places. Like I appreciate that at least a little bit, you know? Yep. Absolutely. 100%. Like that can completely destroy the, the your suspension of disbelief while you're watching yeah. the movie. You know, you could be like following the story and all of a sudden you pick up on something being done mm-hmm. wrong and just completely yeah. shatters yeah. the whole illusion and you're yeah. done. So why would it be any, any different with, with a mm-hmm. photo and, and especially a stock photo, which is supposed to elicit reaction? Right. Thank you for spending time with us on Live Life Creative. It is Pledge Week, uh, probably on your local public radio station, which requires your money, and in exchange we'll send you some lovely canvas tote bags. But if you're enjoying this podcast more than a tote bag, you can support the future of the show on Patreon. With a pledge of any amount, I'll send you mobile wallpaper packs to enjoy on your mobile device. Four out of five psychologists agree that mobile wallpapers hold fewer groceries than tote bags, but with much greater life satisfaction. Support Live Live Creative at livelivecreativepodcast.xyz and tap support in the menu. Have you ever been in the spot of some of the contributors that you talk to, the, some of the members that you talk to, like, you were banging your head against a wall, like trying to get something to work and you were like just stuck. Like, how did you get out of that? As a contributor? Yeah. Well, as a photographer, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be mm-hmm. with stock, but where is some place that you like really struggled with, you know, being able to break out like you're plateaued, you know, and you're trying to reach, reach out for more. Yeah. Um, I think that with food, there was a lot of, lot of false starts and mishaps that that were really defeating and you know i think that this this kind of goes to what we're talking about just now is that like you know i wasn't completely in love with with food as a subject 
And so, you know, I would see really great food photography and I'd try to pick it apart. And then when I tried to apply what I thought I saw, it wasn't working. And it defied my logic in terms of lighting because I could figure it out with portraits because mm-hmm. I love shooting people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like it felt like there was nothing I couldn't figure out with people. Whereas with food, I felt like I couldn't get what mm-hmm. I wanted no matter what I did. And it took a long time. It took longer than any other subject for me to get to where I felt like it was commercially palatable. And I, you know, I had to earn it. I had to fight really, really hard with myself and with clients. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was brutal. And also, um, with, uh, with my wife being able to style it in a way that, that made it inspiring. Right. I was going to ask with your wife's love of cooking, like, was she able to help you through that process of creating greater? Oh, 100%. Like there's no way that I could have ever evolved as a food photographer without her. Just no chance. It never would have been happened. She like, she helped me find an appreciation for it in a way that like, in a way to tell it as a story rather than just a, a documentation, you know? And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that, that I could have ever really reached a, a point to where it would be, you know, the main portion of my income had, had she not learned me, I guess. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have found it on my own. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy when it comes to food. Like I just want, I want to do whatever's quick and tasty, you know, as far as cooking, I was, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to cook. I want to go get a kebab, yeah. you know? I'm in the same boat. <laughs> I wanted like, I want to eat falafel and you know, I want to, I, I, I don't want to like, I mean, I love a good mm-hmm. burger too, but I don't want to subsist on mm-hmm. burgers. You know, I want to, I want to eat food that makes me feel yeah. good, but I don't want to do anything to make it. I happen. totally feel, feel you there. Yeah. Um, my wife is somewhat like your wife. I think um, she loves cooking, loves cooking healthy food. Um, mm. Whereas me, I'm like, Whatever's in front of me, pretty much. I'm like, I'm pretty good yeah. with most of the time. Well, and, and it's, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's a great thing too, because, you know, she puts really healthy stuff yeah. in front of me and I, and I eat yeah. it. Which I'm really grateful it's in for. Front of me. I am too, because I would never mm, have picked it out no. myself. Mm-hmm. Before we got married, I ate pasta. Uh, I would eat a salad <laughs> for a healthy option. Um, sandwiches and hot dogs. And those were my four meals. <laughs> That's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, I feel you, man. Luckily, I worked in restaurants, so I always, you know, there was always prepared yeah. food yeah. around, you know. Um, but at home, it was just a disaster. <laughs> right. You know, and it was like also, you know, especially during the band days where we just ate ramen. Um, but then, you know, there was so much of my life was spent living with other dudes <laughs> roommates and it was just like the most despicable bachelor situations you know where you the fridge was just condiments and leftover pizza (laughs) or something you know it's just the worst and now it's just you know there's almost never any room in our in our fridge because it's like there's five types of lettuce (laughs) and you know just just so much stuff yeah just coming out there's always something to eat that's the best thing about having a food blog is that (laughs) There's always a leftover somewhere. <laughs> That's great. So no matter how, how hungry yeah. you are, like, you know, you might desire something else and go mm-hmm. out, but like, if you're hungry, there's That's something. awesome. So people are always like, can I come over? I'm like, yeah. There's, there's something for you to you have. Should. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't let it go to waste. Yeah. <laughs> there's always food here. A lot of my learning photography was um, shooting photos for my wife. We started a bakery out of our home about a year and a half ago. And so she was perfecting her That's recipes awesome. over like the previous two years before that. And I would take the photos of all of the recipes, like two desserts every weekend. And so that helped me a lot with my photography. But man, those were a delicious two years. Something new to try all the time. That was really good. I really enjoyed yeah, that. I would love that. <clears throat> I would love that too much, <laughs> uh, especially right now because I'm, on, I'm halfway through a Whole30 diet right now. And I haven't had anything that even resembles bread mm. in tw- 20 mm. days. That's so. too bad. I do love bread. Yeah. Love bread. There's like a 
there's a hole somewhere in in my soul yeah. just missing it's it's clear <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so what are some things that like help inspire you especially when you feel if you're in a time where you feel stuck what's something that like like i'm really feeling like kind of maybe not defeated is too strong of a word but you're like Oh, it's not. (laughs) No, it happens all the time. All the time. I'm, I'm just like everyone else, you know, like I, I find myself like feeling crazy depressed about it sometimes just cause I'm like, I don't know what to do next. You know, I feel like, God, Cam, you've done everything. (laughs) What are you going to do now? How are you going to raise the bar? And it's intimidating sometimes, you know, cause it's, you know, maybe I just don't have the, the energy sometimes to to do something that's going to yeah uh something that's going to grab attention Mm -hmm. you know um and so you know i've 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 learned to cut myself some slack maybe not make it such a big deal you know not hold myself up to the highest possible thing that i could never reach Mm -hmm. anyway um it's hard at stocksy too because you know like uh you know, when I'm trying to compare myself to everybody else, I mean, there are so many photographers that can just like, there's so much better than I'm at, I am. I got to imagine from you know? that perspective, that's got to be really hard because you see so many other <laughs> photographers, right. great photographers. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, you know, because like sometimes uh, those people that are, you know, in a lot of cases are just way better than I am. And they're like, they come to me for advice and I'm like, like, okay, I know that I have information that's going to be helpful, mm-hmm. but it's still hard because you're just on another level, yeah. you know? So it's, it's, it's complicated, but to be really, really basic about it, um, music is my ultimate inspiration to this day. Like I, there are times when I'm listening to music and a lyric or, you know, a feeling just all of a sudden inspires me to do something and what ends up being what I end up make might not even be it all related to whatever it was that sparked the inspiration, mm-hmm. but it got me to go. Got you moving. And, and try to, to find something. Um, right now, um, I, maybe it's just through my experiences. I don't know. Um, I've just kind of learned that uh, it's actually it's my, my last tweet. Let me, <laughs> let me read that to you. <clears throat> what I said was, uh, bad light can rob even the most incredible scenes of their visual interest, while good light can transform the most mundane subjects into a thing of beauty. That's super true. It's just simple yeah. truth. And, um, you know, and I've also, you know, through some of my friends, I've just learned that you can make something beautiful out of anything, you know, and that can really help you as a stock photographer sometimes because, you know, if you're just dying to make something that's that's lovely (laughs) but you're you're worried about the subject you know like you can just walk around put on some headphones and go take a walk and sometimes you know you'll come upon a bush you know and it might be the most you know mundane thing ever but maybe the there's just a little bit of light that's just doing something special and if you have the experience to to visualize it in a way that's unique then um and actually make that into a documentation i mean that to me those are those are my favorite things you know just to be able to to kind of happen upon something you know you can you can walk the same street every single day of your life and you know like a lot of times as a photographer you might walk that street so much that there you can't even imagine anything being inspirational on that street at that point you've seen it so many times um, and then you find that, you know, somebody will come to visit you and they're a photographer and, and you're walking the same street and they keep stopping and taking a picture. And then you're like, why are you? <laughs> and then you go back and you look at what they did later and you're like, ah, oh, it was right there the whole time. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's not even because it's there. It's just because the light is telling a story itself and you're just there to, to sweep it up. Yeah. You know? Um, had this mentor when I was a teenager. He was actually my girlfriend's dad, <laughs> but I, I call him a mentor because you know he's he was kind of like the first philosopher in my life. And um, I remember going into his shop at one point, and and he had this really awesome Jimi Hendrix poster, and I was just like, 
oh man, I didn't know you were into Jimi Hendrix. And he just looked at me like I was an <laughs> idiot, you know? And I, I was, I was, I just felt like it, like, a, like a total fool, but he was just like, yeah, what, you know? And I'm like, and we, so we started talking about Jimi Hendrix and how great he was. And I've probably said something stupid about like, I hope that someday I can play like that. And he goes, you can, you can do it now. And I was like, Dude, shut <laughs> up. You know, like, that's so ridiculous. And he was, and he, and I, I'm not, I'm going to butcher this, but he, he basically, he told me something that really changed the way that I thought about a lot of things creatively and that Jimi Hendrix was just like anybody else, you know, and that he's, he's just a conduit, you know, all of that inspiration and all that talent and all that, like, creativity is just it's just in the it's in the space all around us and we just have to like open ourselves up to receive it and there are going to be times in your life that you're going to be able to transcend and receive that or receive and transcend that that inspiration information and put it out into the world and it may bring you a lot of attention and you know but that that's where if your ego gets in the way it could just destroy everything and I found that to be so true. And as I've gotten older, I've, I've especially noticed this with a lot of musicians, you know, because you wonder like, God, why was their first two, three records so great? And then everything else just fell to shit. And you're just wondering like, how did they get so bad? You know, you find that with a lot of artists, a lot of creatives um, that they do something so incredible for a period of time and then they just yeah. lose it. What happened to it? And, you know, it, it takes me back to that idea that, like, it was never theirs to begin mm-hmm. with. They just opened themselves up at that particular yeah. point in time to, to, to receive and transcend mm-hmm. it. And that's why yeah. it worked. Are you ever afraid of, like, losing that touch of being able to be that conduit? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. All the time. I mean, there's just times where I don't feel any connection to the, any energy mm-hmm. at all, you know? Yeah, I mean, energy is, I, I, it sounds a little bit new agey or, you know, try it, but like it, you know, that to me is religion. You know, that, that's my religion. It's just like, there's, there's certain energies that are flying all around us and they can push us in, in directions that we might not go on one day and we'll go on another. And I think that the, at least for me, the key is just to, to, to be willing when mm-hmm. it's there and to try to recognize if I can feel yeah. it. You know, because I don't think that I have much control over it, you know, in, in terms of true inspiration. Yeah. Now, can I do something on command? And can I do it consistently? Yeah, I can. But that's that's more like function. It's not inspiration. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, like if somebody, if I have a client that says, you know, these are the specs of what I need, you know, can you do it? Then, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll do it right to your mm-hmm. spec perfectly. And you might, you know, get jazzed or delighted about the the mm-hmm. effect but you know for me it's just you know it's a function yeah. uh, whereas just pulling you know, up a routine. creating it yeah whereas you know and, and that's i think that's what really makes a, a commercial photographer successful is the ability to do that on command and with consistency but beautiful photography i mean those those photos can be beautiful mm-hmm. too but the stuff that really gets me is the stuff that i feel is fits that story yeah. That's pretty much all of my questions. I did want to spring a little bit of surprise on you. In honor okay. of cameras or whatever, do you have a pick of the week? Oh, boy. Yeah, I guess the, the thing that I'm excited about the, right now is uh, I just got the, uh, the TCS-1000 from uh, Cinestill, which is a... Uh, do you know what a sous vide cooker no is? No idea. <laughs> so yeah i mean you wouldn't unless you were really into boiling (laughs) eggs um but it's uh it's it's a kitchen tool that you that um it's kind of like a ceramic heater that you put into you know a bowl or something with water and it Mm -hmm. heats it and it keeps the temperature um stable so because uh, i like to do film uh color processing at home um, i was having problems you know i was just running into issues with uh, consistency with my uh, with my color film. And, you know, to be honest with you, some of those uh, mistakes ended up being really cool. So there's almost like a, a magic in screwing it up <laughs> <laughs> as much as there is in a magic of doing it perfectly. Um, but, yeah, this thing, allow- it keeps the, the water a stable temperature. Oh, which is going back to, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I used to, when I did this way back you know, in 
the, you know, like 15, 20 years ago or whatever, um, I had this, this contraption called a Jobo, which, uh, had a, it had, you know, like it was, is it, it was a contraption. <laughs> I don't know how else to, you know, but it had a huge tube, a tube in it. And that, you know, you could, you know, had magnets that you could put this and, you know, the, the tube would rotate on a, on a temperature controlled water bath and it would keep the chemistry, the right temperature. And, um, you know, those things were like 2000 bucks, you know, to get that machine. And it was also, it was, it was, it was kind of messy, even though it was all like supposed to be put yeah. together. It still just wasn't perfect. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was okay, but I, there's just no way I was going to buy that again. You know, like I like even storing it for when you're not mm-hmm. using it, it's just like, give me a break, you know? And so this, uh, this little Cinestil sous vide, it's a hundred bucks and, uh, you know, you can, you know, put it onto your, you know, you can just put it into your tub with it, you know, your bathtub with some, with, you know, like a, like a bowl or not a bowl, like a, a bucket or, you know, a, a, some kind of mm-hmm. a container. And yeah, it just allows you to do this in the, in the comfort of your home and not screw it up. And, uh, I did six rolls today and I was just like so <laughs> excited that I was able to do that and, and not feel like it was going to be garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's my thing. It's not been a very exciting week. <laughs> it's, it's more like that. Like I'm still adjusting, getting back to work from, uh, from having two weeks off from Christmas oh, vacation. Awesome. Every time off. Yeah. And then getting back to work was just like, what do I do here, guys? <laughs> What's my job again? Does anybody know what my job? Yeah. Like literally I hadn't, it was just like complete mind blowing experience coming back <laughs> this year. So, yeah. Uh, my pick of the week is the Tamron 24 to 70 2.8 G2. Oh yeah. That's a it's great my lens. first pro lens. I just bought it a few weeks, uh, a few days ago. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, you should yeah, be. Is that's that's uh, my first good investment. Tell me about it. Well, it's my first like big yeah. investment into photography because the camera that I have, I married into it. My wife had it when we got married, so I just had two kit awesome. lenses. And then at some point, I picked up like this old like maybe '60s Nikon lens. As I shoot Nikon, meant to go in like a 35 millimeter, like maybe like AIS. I'm not super sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So that was cool. And that was a 50 millimeter 1.4. Yeah, I have that same one. Yeah, it's a great um, lens. But it's super hard to work with. Super light. It's super bright, but super hard to work with because trying to get it in focus was really tough. It takes a lot of practice. But that's why I'm excited about the Tamron because it's a much brighter lens. Uh, well, not mm-hmm. compared to 1.4, but compared to a kit lens. And it actually has autofocus, which is amazing for me. Yeah. So I'm really <laughs> yeah. excited about it, that. It's lens. very helpful. That's a, that's really interesting. I, I, um, that's one of the only non Nikon pro zoom lenses that I've actually taken really? seriously. Um, well, that makes me feel very, yeah, validated. I, <laughs> <laughs> I came, I came pretty close to, to, um, investing in it. The problem is I have the Nikon 24 to 70, yeah. um, 2.8 and which is a brilliant lens, but, um, mine is, you know, probably over 10 years mm-hmm. old now. It's not the zoom is not. It's getting kind of mm-hmm. sticky, and the uh, the the ring around the zoom is like it's it's uh, it's not even connected to the body of the of the lens anymore. It's just kind of oh, floating man. around. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, the thing is is it's seen a lot of days. <laughs> you know, it's gotten. I've gotten a lot of mileage yeah. out of it, and it's just. Uh, but the 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 thing about it is that it's still perfect. You know, in terms of the yeah. photos, like the bodies, I don't even think I could sell it for much because it's so yeah. beat up, but the photos are still absolutely yeah. perfect. It's one of the sharpest lenses I have. Yeah. yeah. It's just brilliant. But that, yeah, I, I, I think I even asked either Jordan, uh, from the camera, well, formerly mm-hmm. of the camera store and now of, uh, DP Maria, I'm pretty sure I asked him all about it to get the, the lowdown and he, he was definitely like, do it. But then I never did it, bought it, actually did it. Yeah. Well, from the three days that I've had it so far, I've gotten much better pictures of my cats than I have previously. (laughs) There you go. That's what it's for. I haven't had a chance to really take it out for much yet. I really love that. The, the long end of it, the, the 70 millimeter, it's, it's such an awkward, it's, it's, it kind of defies logic in terms of being a pro thing because it's like, 
who uses 70 millimeter? Like they don't even make 70 millimeter lenses. As you know, a prime, nobody no. uses that. Yeah. But, but, uh, I've, I actually have come to really enjoy that, that focal length for some reason. Um, I just like long lenses. So yeah. that being the longest <laughs> of that, of that, that particular piece yeah. of glass, I just, I've determined that it's actually pretty awesome. What's interesting for me is yeah. I'm uh, shooting a APS-C body, uh, Nikon D7000. So really it's a 36 to 105. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit longer than like on a full frame, but yeah. So you've got my favorite, my favorite length right there. 105 is, yeah, I yeah. love it. It's so hard to master. <laughs> I'll have to keep working on it. I, I, I bought my first one in, uh, I think it was 2006 and you know, 2005. And it was for the, it was when I was only shooting film and I ended up selling it cause I, I, couldn't make a good photo with it and then i ended up rebuying that same lens like in 2014 or 13 mm-hmm. because because i was like all right now i think i'm ready <laughs> ready for it now it's just it's ready for it now. yeah it's a it's a it's a much harder lens to to learn how to use than than i thought interesting it but now i i adore it what do you like to use it for portraits um portraits yes but also i love uh snaking around a room with it you know, and, and taking, um, <clears throat> unaware crowd oh, like shots. during an event type thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Events and, and even like street photography. Yeah. Uh, love it on the street and like, it's so unconventional on the street. People don't think like, Oh, one five on the street. Yeah. But I mean, if you're shooting, you know, close to wide open with one Oh five on the street, like you can do all kinds of things with the story. Um, and if you're a stock photographer, you can eliminate a lot of problems you know, you can use people without them being recognizable, for, right. for instance, uh, or you can you can work your way around different uh, logos and you know, yeah. branding that might be out there. Um, just because you know you can condense a scene in such a way that like you can just eliminate mm-hmm. those things, um, or you can throw the the depth of field focus, yeah. far enough that that it's fine. So yeah, I, I think it's a lot of fun, and also I really love the, the distance that it gives me from a subject. Like I like to, I don't like to be super close to subjects unless I have to be, or unless that's what the job requires. I like to be a little bit back Mm -hmm. from them. So if I can, if I can throw some length, then it just, I think it makes, it makes it so it's a little less intimidating um, for the subject. Oh yeah. A lot of times, like a lot of times I think that if you're on the street and you're shooting with a one Oh five, like you could be taking a picture of somebody and they don't even think you're taking a well, picture. Well, sure. Yeah. Being yeah. so far away at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that go yeah. and does that open up to <clears throat> one four or one eight? Not, not the one I have. I have the, um, I have the F two, which for a long time was the fastest one that, that Nikon made. And then Nikon finally came out with, they were actually the very first, to ever make a one four one oh five. Cool. And apparently that lens is just unreal. It's so <laughs> big. It's and that's the the, the beauty is that my F two is is really light and really yeah. compact. And you know, like it doesn't hurt me in the bag yeah. at all. So yeah, and it's autofocus. It's just not good yeah. autofocus. It's you know, the, the design's twenty years right. old. So that was something that's like I knew theoretically in my head about the Tamron. Is that it's going to be bigger? But until mm-hmm. I like actually held it like next to the my kit lens, I'm like, oh, it's not just bigger; it's this much bigger. It's like it's significantly more than I was imagining. I think. So, where can people find you online? So uh, you can find me at CameronWhitman.com. That's mm-hmm. just the kind of easiest mm-hmm. thing. On Instagram, I have two accounts. I have Camelog, um, which is like Camelot but with a G. Uh, and that is my analog only account. Uh, it's not commercial. Um, and then you'll find, uh, I have the other account, which is camera run, but it's spelled weird. It's K a M M E R U N. Um, and that is more my digital and, uh, commercial Instagram account. It's been a little slow just because I don't have a lot of time to manage it and it's not as exciting. And social media is a whole beast on Um, its own. Yeah, and if you want to hear me uh, rant like an old guy, <laughs> then you can uh, you can catch me on Twitter, and that's at uh, Cam Rocker. Um, and if you want to check out my Stocksy portfolio, that is uh, stocksy.com forward slash Cam Rocker also. 
Cool. And do you have any last advice for somebody who wants to be more creative? Yeah, do it. Just fight it. So the the biggest problem with being creative is being afraid to actually engage with creativity. There's so many times where any one of us that, that wants to be creative has an idea and then starts to, to break down whatever it might be that they think that it's going to take to accomplish it. And, you know, you, you, what you end up doing is forming an ideal in your mind that, that of what you think you want to create. And in most cases, even with, with all of the, the access or opportunity that could possibly be afforded to you, you still might not come up with, with what was in your mind. And it doesn't matter. Like the, the, what, the whole beauty of it is just trying and just going against the grain and doing whatever it takes. And, you know, you'll find it. I promise you, if you just, if you just get out and, and force yourself to do something, it might even really suck a couple times. But you're going to learn something new every time you try. And that to me is, is the, the whole creative process, you know, just break out of your rut and, and force yourself yeah. to do it. Even if it hurts, there's, there's a truth that, that I've never forgotten ever since the first time I heard it. And it's very simple. Art is hard. Yeah. I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you might, you might break down and cry and you might bleed for it and you might bleed and it might suck. But you know, the only way to break through that is just keep trying, just keep doing it, fight for it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that to you again. Thanks for hanging out with me and Cameron today. I really encourage you to listen to cameras or whatever. If you're into photography, especially Cameron and Tyler really get it deep into it. I think it's pretty fun. You can check out the links and show notes for this episode at Live Life Creative Podcast at XYZ and follow the show on socials at Live Life Creative Podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Live Creative Pod on Twitter. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Do you combine your creative passion in your career or do you let it be your project on the side? Email me through the website or send me a DM on Instagram. And of course, rate and review Live Life Creative on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every host asks you to do this, and you know why? Because it really makes a difference, and way too few people actually ever leave reviews. So it's a great way to be a superstar listener. I'm Dylan Kreinbrink, helping you break down your creative barriers so you can live life creative. You're n- you're nine. nine. You know, he's nine. I'm like midnight's oh, plenty fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>